Iowa everywhere. Hello, everybody. Sage Rosenfels here. Today, I've got a great guest, J.D. Shulton. He is representative from the 1st District in Sioux City, Iowa, uh, at the in the Iowa uh, House of Representatives. And uh, he's an old friend. And uh, we had a great discussion uh, covering uh, his race against Steve King a couple of times in, in Northwest Iowa. Uh, we talked about baseball. I played baseball in Nebraska. Uh, and of course, we got into uh, gun violence, uh, which is a a more recent um, uh, tragedy uh, in the U.S. and maybe some steps that uh, we can help try to fix that issue. So we talked about a range of subjects. I thought it was a great podcast. Have a listen. From the Channel Seed Studios, Channel Seed Studios. This, this is the Sage Rosenfels Experience, exclusively on Iowa Everywhere. I love the like Jamaican music there at the end. I was, I was digging that. I think that's a new one this week. This is Sage Rosenfels. You are at the Sage Rosenfels Experience podcast on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for coming on. Today, I have a, a special guest. Uh, I'll get to him in a second. But uh, a few years ago, there was a, a man running for Congress in, in Northwest Iowa. He was one of the uh, representatives. Uh, Iowa usually has about four representatives. I, I think they always have four. I think when I was a kid, they had six. But uh, this guy named J.D. Shulton was running against him. I, 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 I didn't know who J.D. Shulton was. Uh, but uh, you're through the world of probably Twitter, reached out to him and, and want to try to help him with his campaign. I drove over to Ames, Iowa, uh, and uh, he gave a little speech at the library. And uh, he and I have sort of become friends over the years. The most important thing of all of it, though, probably less of what he has said over the years and what he's fighting for in these things is where I really got to appreciate him was actually on the basketball court. Uh, we went over to the lead rec center on the Iowa State campus. There's all sorts of basketball courts and running tracks and workout rooms. And we play basketball for about two hours, I would say. Probably the last time I played basketball like that. Uh, I think we won. We were like five and oh. Uh, we had a good team. JD bought some buddies. And uh, uh, we, but his style of play was very similar to mine. Uh, as a high school basketball player, we could both shoot the three decently, pretty good passers, unselfish, could rebound, put the ball on the floor, had a similar style of game. And sort of ever since I was like, if, if this guy, if I like a guy that play, the way he plays basketball, I think I might like him as maybe some sort of politician or maybe some sort of teacher or or, or something else. And so uh, ever since I've been able to to follow JD uh, over the years and in, in his travels and, and his uh, races and and uh, his his work. And uh, I'm really excited to have Monte. So JD Shulton, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, you're the second person who's actually uh, uh, supported my campaign because of my basketball skills. The first one, uh, we had East High uh, School in Sioux City where I graduated from. We had an alumni tournament and one of the, uh, I got paired with uh, my buddy who had a kid so I played with his kid and his buddies. And I was like, so I was with her dad's age, I guess. And one of the moms on the team said, "Hey, I'm a lifelong Republican, but I just through how JD plays basketball, I would vote for him." <laughs> so I mean, it's a real thing. It's a yeah. real thing because we all know. I mean, sports are an interesting uh, aspect of life, and it's there's a realness to it, right? You can't really fake your way through. And if you're good, you're good. If you're selfish, you're selfish. If you a guy who uh, uh, shoots the ball all the time, but they never go in and, and you don't, yeah. you're not a good passer. You're all these things. I feel like you learn 
a lot about a person sort of through sports, uh, through the, you know, trying, you're on the same team or, or even on an opposing team. Uh, some of the guys are respected the most around opposing teams. And I just love the way they play, the way they competed. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're really sort of beyond the BS of what sports, you know, many times is, uh, many times is. So yeah, I really enjoy. Yeah, Go ahead. Was, I was just going to say, that was one thing that like, you, when you're on a team that, especially a team that other teams hate to play because you they know like how like you can just grind them out or or just whatever your style of play, yeah. I think that's one of the best compliments and and uh, it's just one of those things. I know my uh, my senior year in college got to play at uh, University of Nebraska, and everybody I played in pro ball who we played against, they all said the same thing: we hated playing you guys, yeah. and it's a, it's a badge of honor. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, after uh, so you grew up in Northwest Iowa. Actually, I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna go go through your Wikipedia a little bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> born in Ames, uh, born in Ames, Iowa. Really hospital. Um, and uh, at, at the, according to Wikipedia, at the age of four, you moved uh, to Sioux City, <laughs> and uh, uh, you moved so you moved to Sioux City, and then you went to community college, right, and pitched. Nope. No, no. I went to Morningside. Morningside. Uh, yeah, my dad was a, my dad was a coach there. So when I was born, my dad was a grad assistant on Iowa State's baseball team. Okay. Um, so that's how old I am. They still had baseball back then. So you had sports <laughs> in your genes for 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 generations. Oh, obviously. absolutely. So you yeah. so you start school there playing baseball, but you were a multi sport athlete in high school. Yep, I did basketball. Anything else? Yeah, uh, nope. Split this uh, season six months, six months. It was it was fantastic. Nice. Well, I end up going to Nebraska, mm-hmm. uh, and Nebraska's got a very good baseball program. I live in Omaha. Uh, it's a sort of it's a big deal over there. They're, they haven't been as good lately, but generally they're a, a very very good program and and compete in in the Big Ten Conference and and uh, and of course you sometimes have made it to the College World Series. It's been a bit, but obviously being in Omaha, it's just sort of a baseball t- state. I feel yeah. like Nebraska is. It's it, you know. Well, that's. Um, I mean, it's a football state, but you know, uh, there used to be. It's a football state. It's a football <laughs> state that they care about the college team. They do. They do. And and so we were part of the second team ever to make it to the College World Series. Yeah, um, but 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 on top of it, they but they only have a couple athletes a year who actually play in Nebraska. I mean, they oh. really have to get a lot of the recruits from somewhere else. But as kids, a lot of kids right. from Nebraska uh, in, the, in the local level, uh, Little League and, and those things, they end up, you know, playing at Nebraska or other schools in, in uh, other colleges. It's just a, you know, just a, it just feels like it's a baseball state, sort of like Minnesota is, a, is sort of a hockey state in yeah. a way, you know. Well, I, I will like Omaha is great baseball. And I mean, you look at the state of Iowa, we have one division one team anymore. Uh, Nebraska has three with uh omaha and creighton and uh nebraska lincoln so um that's that's a lot to ask for for a smaller state like that but uh they can produce a lot of talent yeah so after you leave lincoln yep. uh went to the college world series did yeah. you pitch in the college world series warmed up never got in oh we, we were zero and two we uh we lost uh, the state of south carolina did it to us we we lost to both clemson in the first round and then south carolina Sort of like the Moonlight Graham of the College World Series, almost. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and back then, it would have been it would have been at Rosenblatt. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Different vibe down there by the yeah. down there by the zoo. You probably it's good you didn't pitch because pitchers didn't fare well down there. It was oh. like eighteen to fifteen <laughs> games, southwest winds blowing, yeah, blowing out there, and that 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 stadium faced sort of northeast and Nebraska in the summertime. More often than that, you get these like warm southern winds from Oklahoma and Kansas coming up. And the bats were like unlimited amounts of pop that those things could have. And it, the game was back then when the Miami Hurricanes were 
seemed like they were like the one of the best teams or the best team them and LSU. It was yep. it was home run derby. So maybe, maybe it was best you didn't get in, but <laughs> you end up uh, parlaying that and and all that work and and your your career didn't stop. You played Canada, yeah. you played overseas. Tell me about those experiences. Yeah, so uh, I didn't get drafted. I didn't get a lot of innings at Nebraska. So I, I even though I led the team in ERA, but uh, ended up uh, playing professionally uh, both first in, a, in the Canadian Baseball League, which didn't last a whole season. And so halfway through the season, I had to find a new team. And I went home and luckily uh, uh, in Sioux City, where I'm from, we have a minor league team, an independent baseball team. And uh, got picked up by there, uh, had finished the season there, played there the next year. And then um, I, I didn't know if I was going to continue on, kind of plateaued out. And so I ended up working at a bookstore up in Minnesota. And uh, one night on a very cold uh, Minnesota night that uh, not too many people were um, coming in, I was on the internet and I found randomly a team in Belgium needed a, a pitcher. I sent an email, and two weeks later, I was on a flight. <laughs> and so, uh, played uh, uh, that year. I ended up being uh, the uh, MVP uh, of the league, and and we won uh, not the championship. They have like a, a single elimination tournament. Um, uh, soccer has this where all the divisions play together, and and it's it's a unique little tournament. And we we ended up. It's called the Belgian Cup. We won that. Uh, and then the next year, I uh, came back and decided, you know, I, I can still do it at the pro level. I had my best year uh, with the Explorers. And then the next year, started off hot. And then uh, just something happened where just kind of arm just kind of lost. Uh, I got something, dead arm or something. And uh, and then realized, yeah, I should move on. And, and uh, so it ended up um, playing town team ball a little bit, went back to Europe a little bit. Um, I played in Germany. Um, and then uh, when I moved out to Seattle for work, um, I ended up playing on a team. We played down in Wichita, Kansas, which is the NBC World Series is a big tournament at the end of summer for a lot of different college uh, teams and uh, did really well there. We faced a two-time defending champ, but I held, put our team, gave them a chance to, to compete in there. And, and from there, I actually, uh, the, the other team's coach recruited me to play on a team that went down to Cuba and uh, played 10 days against their uh, exhibition team. So uh, yet like Yosmani Tomas, uh, the Gary L brothers uh, faced them all uh, down there. And then um, then uh, was done for a long time. And then I started playing again the last two summers. Yeah, you took like a, what, 12 year break? Seven year break. Seven year seven year break. Yeah. Year, seven year break. Yeah. Uh, um, you're a couple years younger than me, by the way. I'm March 6th birthday. You're March 4th. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. I see. See, I, see we're so, we're similar. Something, something. <laughs> yeah. um, well, after you, your career ended, uh, you, um, what'd you do then after you, you know, and it does seem like, by the way, if you want to keep playing football, if you want to keep playing baseball, if you want to keep playing basketball somewhere in some town for a hundred bucks a night, there might be, there's a place or for free, right? There, there is, there are, there are places that you can go to same with golf too. Like, you know, these little, uh, you find a way to try to keep, keep making it at some point. Yeah. Right? Those doors just sort of dry up and you go, you know, I can't do this forever. Right. Well, the, the thing that initially stopped me from playing baseball was you get to be mid thirties and it's hard to find someone to play catch with, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. your, your friends, if they're athletic enough, they, they're uh, usually have kids or moved on from baseball or something. And it's just, 
it was one of those things um that anyhow i i love it and like the last two summers have been probably the, i don't have the velocity i used to have but uh, as far as like command stuff and just yeah. knowing how to pitch i've, I've been the most dominant I've, I've been in my entire life and so when, when you get older and occasionally i go play tennis yeah. um and I'm so much more strategic now and I don't have to work as hard yep. and I feel like I'm actually better, even though yeah. I don't even play tennis very much. And I play tennis all through high school. So there's the aspect of like taking the time away, also yep. letting your body sort of mature and understand itself a little bit better. Yeah. Um, have more, um, an internal conversation to like, you know, not try to throw it as hard as you can or try to throw some crazy sidearm curveball on a 3 2 pitch just because <laughs> it's going to be like the greatest thing anyone's ever seen, right? Things well, you do when you're like 16 to 17 years old. Well, what, uh, what really got me into the last few years is during the pandemic, I mean, I probably had a few too many whiskeys or whatever on a Saturday night and I just went down a rabbit hole on YouTube. And what kids have access to now yeah i am so jealous of yeah. i mean just the phone just what you yeah. can do just recording yourself i mean we we played in the vhs era so you try to press pause to like look at mechanics and it's just my like, highlight <laughs> my highlight tape uh that i sent to colleges and i had one of my iowa state coaches say it to me a, a few months ago it was a vhs made like with probably two VHS players hooking them up together yeah. and press and record and play at the same time. It was one of the worst things I've ever, I cannot imagine if my parents still have it, but with that, yeah, we had, that was just before this sort of digital era. And, and as someone who occasionally works with college and high school quarterbacks, I, I can attest to yeah. how much further along the mechanics of throwing a football, the, the mechanics of just movement in general, any any sport, all the movements, basketball, golf, hitting a baseball, throwing a baseball, throwing a football. There's just so much science now uh, of maximizing whip and maximizing torque and maximizing that with control. And yep. it's, it's completely different uh, than, you know. I didn't have a, my, my high school quarterbacks coach was like my older brother who was like, ah, I think maybe you should try that. Like I, I came out pretty good that time. I mean, we, we, it wasn't a thing, you know, uh, God bless my high school coach, but he was an offensive lineman uh, in, in the high school in a small college. And, and so you just don't get that in the, in, you know, the, the super small towns. And um, it, that has, that has completely changed. And, and uh, these kids are, have so many more advantages in that oh, way uh, yeah. from the, the magic of science and data uh and cameras that can slow things down to go you know if you just do this a little bit and when you could see it you have a better likelihood of being able to do it it's yeah. very much i'm a big believer in that and i try to do it with my kids sometimes but like if they would actually just see me doing things yeah that's probably better than me and then better than me telling them this is what you're supposed to do right um <laughs> and uh yeah a, a little parenting one-on-one lesson there um <laughs> um so so your, your baseball career ends yeah. Uh, what 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 did you have in store after that? Uh, I worked well. Um, I I always thought about law school, and so I worked as a paralegal initially. Um, worked at a couple great law firms, and uh, it, one of those things where you just kind of find a niche. Where and, and about the time I thought about going to law school was two thousand eight with the economic crisis, and so you, I just really found this path. Uh, working in e-discovery, working in litigation, working uh, on trials in civil litigation. And I really enjoyed it. And so uh, that brought me up to Minneapolis, brought me out to Seattle, um, and just kind of worked all across the nation doing that. And and then um, when 2016 happened in, uh, with the election, 
I, I just, I wanted to do more and I didn't know what that meant. And one of the biggest inspirations to me is my grandmother. And I went to visit her at Thanksgiving and she wasn't doing that well. And the last thing she told me was, you need to move back to Iowa and you need to take care of our farm. Um, we rent our farm out to a family friend, so I wasn't going to hop on the tractor anytime soon. But uh, um, it is just one of those things where just a lot of things came together. And then uh, when I moved back, I just found this opportunity to run for Congress. And that's kind of how my political career started. Did you have thoughts that that was what you wanted to do to run for Congress or to uh, be some sort of representative, um, you know, whether it's a, a local level or a state level or a national level? Uh, I mean, what, what did you did you have that thought when you were young at all or no. was that in your family or you just decided that you wanted to run it, for, it, for Congress, one of 435 Congress yeah. men and women yeah. uh, in the United States government. That's a that's a pretty big swing on your first attempt. Yeah, um, definitely naive. Uh, <laughs> but the thing was, like the first law firm I worked at was pretty political. There was a lot of uh, people who who ran who actually worked there, like the secretary, the current secretary of state. I met from there. One of our friends uh, in, in our core group ran in the Minnesota third. Um, so I got a little bit of a flavor for it, um, but not like it was just kind of trial by error. Um, it was, it was, it was one of those things where like, I, I mean, it, it sounds so crazy now to look back and think about it, but like I had a, a pure vision of what I really wanted to do. And ultimately like Winnebago industries are made in the district. I just wanted to buy a used Winnebago and just go around nonstop and see if I could do something different. Yeah. And uh, we ended up uh, in 2018, we ended up moving the needle 24 points, which is the third most in the nation. Um, and just, you know, really, uh, had a special, uh, moment in time. And I mean, a lot of it comes from, uh, the night before the election where we got to play hoops. <laughs> if, it yeah, for, yeah. if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have gotten the turnout. <laughs> thousands of, of, of 18, 19, 20, and 21 year olds at the Leader Rec <laughs> Center on, was it, was it in February? I'm not even sure. Uh, it was the middle no, of winter. It was, it was terrible weather. November. November. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. of course. November. Um, yeah. uh, it was terrible weather. It was like cold and rainy and it was dark, you know, really so early. Like, like the, the whole, so, I mean, it's stressful to run for, especially like federal office and like just the grind. I mean, that, that was like 16 months in the making and I couldn't even ask, I mean, that whole election cycle is pretty special for me, but the night before the, 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 the what you can control is so little. And so I was just trying to find something that can, relax me a little bit and playing hoops. I yeah. We'll always well, do that. I'd say let's do that again, but I'm concerned that even though it's only been like five years or, or wait, it's 2018. All right. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. That was 2018. Uh, that wow. I'd blow out my Achilles. Yeah. I, I had a buddy blow his out uh, from high school playing tennis. I haven't mm. played basketball much in a while. I feel like that was bound to happen. Um, did you decide to run because you know what, I just want to run for Congress or was there a certain individual that you want to run against that you're like, you know what, someone has to go after this guy. And when I say this guy, I mean, Steve King, Steve yeah. King, long time congressman from Northwest Iowa, uh, who for years, I guess, depending on who you talked to, right? Cause everyone has their interpretation of words and what yeah. they mean and history and all those things. But uh, from one, some, from some people's perspective, you would could call him, you would say racist things mm -hmm. that, uh, more on a, a national level that these stories would get out to people in, 
other parts of the country, Chicago, New York, LA, and they'd be like, wow, this guy cannot believe this guy said that. And he has said other things in the past and was was just sort of like running against him to try to take away some of his power or, or, or take away his ability to say those things. there's, you know, big, big in your decision to run. Yeah, there's two reasons. One, I mean, obviously, uh, I disagree with what he was and what he stood for, and a lot of things. And and it was one of those things where he would make national news by saying something inflammatory, and uh, I would have people. I mean, you know, this as like Iowa State has alumni all over the nation, and University of Iowa, and and just Iowans are all over the nation, and. Well, people where I'm at, they're like, oh, is that you? Is this what you guys are? And I was like, no, that's not us. And yeah. um, and so so part of it was 100% wanted to just like do something different um, and run a, 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 a decent campaign against him. And so that was part of it. But the other part of it too is, and, and it picked up more and more as I drove around um, in the RV and just um, – talked you just see all these towns that i just remember so well from my childhood and a lot of them are just um they're not what they're used to be and um, main uh, streets are are uh struggling and and just you know we didn't bounce back from the 2008 economic crisis and here he's saying all these crazy things but at the end of the day it's you're not taking care of your home either and yeah. so that's that's kind of the two uh ways of that that i kind of wanted to do it and so um it's just a lot of things lined up for it 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 was um it's it's i just remember actually this ties into the lead uh center as well so i i laid it out for my parents my parents like they're they've always supportive in my sports and and everything and my mom was very skeptical she's like i don't i don't think you should do it and so i'm like dad what do you think and my dad goes and he tells the story about uh, the Iowa games. We were 11 and under uh, a tournament uh, and we were in the championship game against uh, Jamie Burroughs uh, uh, and Joe Burroughs or the others, a stepbrother, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Just, just brother. Okay. okay. Yeah. Brother. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, they're ahead. Uh, I, I, I think by they must have been head by one or something like that. My dad calls a timeout with 30 seconds left. And we have we're all 10 year olds, or, or maybe it's a 12 and under, and we're all 11 year olds. I can't remember what it was, but like we're all one year below except for two players. And the two players, uh, uh, John Klein went to Creighton, and then Kyle Galloway went to Iowa. So we had two stud uh, <laughs> players at that level. So my dad draws up a play to make it to one of those two guys to get the final shot. And, but then as we leave the huddle, he goes, if you get an open shot, shoot it. So I'm passing the ball in. I pass the ball in and pass the ball back to me. And I'm at the top of the key and nobody's guarding me. And all I can think of is if you get a good open shot, shoot it. So I shoot it and my dad yells, no. <laughs> and then it swishes and everyone's like, yeah. But then we have to play 30 seconds of defense. But uh, we end up winning the game. And my dad goes, you know, ever since that moment, I've known uh, never to doubt you. And yeah. so he was, my parents ended up being very supportive of my campaign, but, uh, it was, it was definitely different for our family. It was different. Like nobody has ever done anything like this. Yeah. Um, and it, it I mean, it was 
outside of my shell. I, I, I told, I used to go around telling folks, I go, I hate asking for money and I hate public speaking. So obviously I decided to run for Congress. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to try to comprehend what that experience would be like. Um, yeah. I have two wonderful parents and we're huge again, like my biggest fans, just like yours. And my dad coached basketball when I was mm -hmm. on the early travel teams of, you know, 1992, one, whatever it was, middle school. Um, and yeah, there's nothing like parents. There's yeah. nothing like parents to teach you the ways, inspire you, motivate you, uh, give you opportunities um, and really just support you. And, and, and a lot of times to talk to of like, you're not sure what to do. And they right. just have all that knowledge and experience and wiseness uh, just literally by being 20 or 30 or 40 years older than you. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah, parents are parents are unbelievable. Something I want to get back to earlier, you said, by the way, um, we, we talked about Steve King and, and, you know, you, but you said as you know, that guy, he does not represent us, right? Yeah. His words, but he's a representative. I know. <laughs> and that's, that's the hard part. I, I hear that a lot in American politics of like, Hey, that person said that, but yeah. he does not represent us or she does not represent us, but like, no, they, they do. Yeah, they do. Unfortunately. And if they didn't, you would have somebody else, anyone else, in office. And so I feel like that's one of the, the, those things that gets said in politics or gets said, not necessarily in politics, actually just gets said in everyday life. Like, right. you know, those shootings don't happen in, in this town. Well, no, they do. They happen in any town. Right. Uh, and, and we'll get to that, those types of conversations here in a second. But, um, you know, he did represent the Northwest part of the state. And, and I don't know people from that part of the country. I'm from Eastern Iowa and there's a lot of similarities there uh, in, in a lot, a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I grew up in a small town of 6,000 people. So uh, my parents were the ones who, I guess, I shouldn't say got me involved in politics, got me caring about politics. Yeah. I, I, I think that they just, to be aware of what is going on around the world, to be aware of what was going on in your state, to be aware of what's going on in your county, down to, I went to a meeting one time at the county courthouse, basically, city hall, and they were discussing spraying like pesticides and herbicides or whatever in ditches around the county to kill off all the, the you know, the weeds and the this and the that. And of course, my parents and their friends, they all show up, 30 people in this room saying, listen, those are habitats for, for animals. What's the point? Why are we doing this? For what reason? I mean, that, and then, it, and of course it rains and that goes right into our water system. Like, why are we doing this? And so that, I guess you maybe call that political activism, but it was caring at the local level and carrying that all the way up to the like international level of like caring about Ukraine right. and, and Russia right now, caring about these things. No, and you can't do a lot, but caring is is the is the first step, yeah. Right yeah. and right. Um, um, so anyway, just a, just a thought about parents when you were discussing sure. that with your parents and and sort of how they got you motivated to, to get into this thing. Uh, well, you lost to Steve King by two points. Uh, but three, you, you uh, yeah. by three points, but you, you're so close right. that the Republican Party said, we're not running this or he ran, but three or four of the people ran. He got beaten the primary. Yeah. And then you lost, uh, of course, in the in the general election two years later in 2020. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and then after that, I, I was like, I'm out. I don't want, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to do politics. Um, but, but in some ways it was like mission accomplished. And right. oh, I'm yeah. not sure how much people said that to you, but you know, for me, again, the first time I met you wasn't <laughs> like, man, this guy, JD Shelton's the greatest guy ever. It was more <laughs> of like, right. I don't know this guy, but he seems to be better than that guy <laughs> over there. So um, for me, mission accomplished. Congratulations. Yeah. And uh, I, as an Iowan, uh, <laughs> you know, played, lived in that state for 23 years. Uh, I appreciate getting him out of office and into his retirement world <laughs> and whatever he's doing. Um, uh, I, I'd like to think that this guy is doing a little better than him. And it <laughs> seems like he's saying less thing. I'll tell you that, you know? Yeah. We, um, I, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's a weird, it's a weird victory. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the way life is though. I mean, oh, you get yeah. that with like, a, as, as a parent, I have losses all the time that I know are like little victories because something <laughs> happened in there that maybe sparked their mind, you know? Um, so anyway, you, you, you stay in politics though. You don't jump for, well, you actually should say you got out of politics for a minute, didn't you? You, you, you started like a, uh, I was a working. nonprofit, a nonprofit maybe where you were helping yeah, uh, I was... uh, families. Uh, I, I did an earned income tax credit nonprofit in between the election cycles, and then I, I worked at a think tank uh, and a rural uh, super PAC uh, yeah. for a little bit of 2021. And then I was looking at uh, jobs to just get out of politics completely. And that's when Representative Chris Hall, who uh, represented Sioux City for 12 years, called me up and said, hey, I'm not running for re-election. You should run for this position. And I, I initially told him no. I, I go, I'm good. Uh, but then uh, at the Capitol, like that, that I slept on it a couple nights, and that's when they started attacking the teachers last session. And my grandmother was a, a fifth grade teacher, and I was just like, that's just unnecessary. And so we, we got bigger uh, issues than than doing that kind yeah. of crap. And so um, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And and so uh, ran unopposed, uh, which nobody told me that was an option. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to run, I think that's the best way. <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt very good about a buy and some sort of <laughs> Exactly. I earned that. I earned that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I put a lot of miles in for that. So, um, but no, that, and it was great. And so uh, just doing, we're about uh, three quarters, maybe a little bit over uh, uh, with the state legislature this year. And um, it's been interesting. I'll, I'll say it's definitely an honor to be there. Um, it's not always pleasurable <laughs> to be there. Yeah. Uh, uh, being a freshman, it, things are stacked up against you a little bit. And then being in the minority is, uh, makes you feel like you got a double whammy. And so uh, you take the wins when you can, but uh, it's, it's a lot of defense. Yeah. I mean, all you can really do is, uh, again, you're, you're representing your your area. Absolutely. Right. Um, so you have to take into consideration what what they would want. Um, yeah. And but you also take into consideration that they're not there every single day and they're not seeing all these bills and you have to make choices for yourself. Right. Yeah. And uh, and try to represent them with sort of your conscious, I feel like. Yeah. And, and, and in, a, in a tough role where, yeah, I, I saw I think I saw yesterday that like 65 percent of, of states are fully controlled at the like yeah. state yeah. Uh, and federal levels. It's all one party either way. Which, which, which is very frustrating because like that's what, it, even though like federally it might've been like that for a while, like in the state of Iowa, it didn't used to be. And the capital used to be um, uh, much more 
Very uh, purple. Yeah, very I, I purple. would say. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in Eastern Iowa. It seemed like Eastern Iowa was very blue. I, I thought I saw a stat uh, a few years ago when, when Trump won in 2016 that Obama won by like 24 points in Jackson County. Yeah. And then he won by like 16 points. So he won, but not not as much. And then Trump won by something like 19 points. I mean, yeah. just a huge, massive uh, uh, swing. And um, it, it, it and, the, and I think this, the state went from purple to pretty feels like to me pretty strong uh, red uh, yeah. in, in a lot of, you know, a lot of different levels uh, currently on the state. I, I view it as like we're geographically between Wisconsin and South Dakota and Nebraska. And politically, we're in between those right now there too. And so that's why I think like 2024 is such an important um, political year, uh, to, especially for Democrats to try to win back some seats. Um, I, I just, that's of everything that I see that's happening. I think um, that's one of the bigger things. Yeah. Do you, I, I want to discuss a few issues today. I yeah. went on, did a Google search and said, what are the biggest issues in Iowa? <laughs> okay. Of course, all the biggest issues in Iowa, it's a Des Moines Register article. Okay. Um, we're split up in sort of like Democrats, Republicans. Biggest issues are not the same. They are very like sort oh, of yeah. strongly different yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, um, as an example, uh, Republicans, inflation, yep. 70% think that's like a, it's like a critical issue. Yep. Only 40% of Democrats think that, right? Yeah. Um, on the reverse end, 70% of Democrats think abortion's a critical you know, issue right now. 69% gun policies is a critical issue right now. Uh, climate change, healthcare. Uh, they look, and so it's just interesting how every um, every category almost of an issue. Uh, some some are the same, and then some are it seems like different. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about inflation. What yeah. are your thoughts uh, about inflation in general? Of course, what occurred? We had this pandemic, yep. which if we ever have anything like it again, I'd like to think that we learned a lot of lessons. Oh, Both sides, the whole country, our whole country <laughs> failed miserably at this yeah. thing. Yeah. We learned a lot. Um, I don't think we'll ever shut down like that again. We'll never oh take our kids out of school like that again. Yeah. Uh, we have, of course, all these technologies that came from it. Yep. Uh, like, like what we're basically on is, is yeah. better and easier and all those things, right? So it changed the world for sure. But we came out of it with this massive sort of inflation issue, tons of money were pumped into the into the entire system yep. of, of, of money. Um, and naturally, you're gonna have this in inflation uh, issue. Um, so go ahead. Yeah, so one of the ways where, and there's no doubt there is inflation, but, but I think one way that we're really feeling it is there's also corporate greed that goes along with that. Yes, 54% um, of all price increases yeah, uh, uh, where are due to corporate profits. They've exactly. actually increased their their corporate profit. It's sort of like when gas prices go up. It's like we blame politicians. It's the gas. It's the oil companies. They're they're it costs pretty much the same to to make oil today as it did a month ago when gas prices were fifty cents difference. And it's right. just them deciding when they want to jack things up. And there's political things in that right. too. Right. Well, and, and like, and like, I'm very much like one of my main things I talked about, and I think this is part of it. Well, the, like, if you go back to why I was able to do so well against Steve King, it's like, there's the anti Steve King thing, but there's also some things like antitrust and yeah. uh, talking about corporate greed and, and, and stuff uh, that resonates with folks, because you look at this, uh, I thought the spotlight uh, on the pandemic uh, really like showed 
uh, obviously like there's a lot of things going to it, but the economic side of it, I mean, with price of meat, consumers were paying the most they ever had. Farmers were not getting a raise. Workers were working in dangerous conditions. Meanwhile, all these meatpacking companies, within a year or two before or after, they had all record profits. And so it, it, it just like, there's so many things. It's, it's get big or get out and all these benefits for these huge multinational corporations. And we're just skewed as an economy right now. We're, we're in just uh, same way politically because it's all driving that way. Yeah. And so you add that and then you add on inflation and that's kind of the whirlwind. I mean, it's it's such a weird economy right now. You have tech layoffs, uh, but then uh, other tech areas. Tech layoffs, though, the big numbers, but in reality, it's actually a fairly, there's only so many tech jobs in this giant economy right. that we have. Right? Absolutely. And so you know, like. They're just, they're just like, they look like it. It's a fancy thing, I feel like, the the, the tech jobs. But you're right. I think it's, a, it, a, I don't know, it's a half but, a million tech jobs or something like that. Right. But like other parts of the economy are, are doing really well where some are not. And it just, it's, but at the same time, I, everyone's feeling it um, at the, at the grocery store, at least uh, in Sioux City, I feel we are. And so it's uh, just kind of a uh, little bit of a, a, a weird economic time we're going through. It is. And, and one thing that concerns me is this, you know, housing prices rapidly increased again we've seen that now multiple yeah. times in our lives i don't remember as a kid this occurring but of course yeah. we all know what happened in the early 2000s with the with the tons of fraud and mortgage crisis uh, yeah. that happened in you know seven eight nine um and now it, it seems like the interest rates were so low for so long three percent four percent three and a half percent various types of interest rates i think better guardrails on the system that we didn't have in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. but still for a long time, very cheap money. Yep. And people could go out and afford uh, a house that was half a million dollars, three quarters yep. of a million dollars, a million dollars. When those interest rates change from three, three, three and a half percent to six, six and a half, seven percent, that vastly changed the amount of money they have to pay every month. Yep. My concern in, but, 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 the, the, and the reason that they are increasing these rates, of course, is to try to slow down this housing market like this is yep. right. And and the inflation trying to sort of slow it all down. Um, but uh, and of course, inflation and all those things. And my concern is, well, what happens when they get so high that there just aren't these transactions? Right. Right. How many people out there are making their money off of that, the, the whole housing movement in general and and uh, realtors, builders, construction people, developers? They love all that growth and that cheap money. Right. But when that dries up and now it's not as advantageous, where are they going to get their 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 uh, income from? Where's right. the business going to be? And right. so that is my concern. And that is where we are. And I think they just raised rates the other day. And so I feel like that we're in this weird spot that feels uncomfortable to me. Right. It feels a little uncomfortable because the rates are so high. And then again, you know, the they're trying to slow all, all those prices down of homes and, and again, inflation. And I just nobody really knows what this sort of 20 year experiment of crazy low interest rates since 9-11 what and 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 trillions of dollars sent into the markets uh uh the you know the, the in the country for whether it's pandemic or these you know these uh or or in 2007-89 all all of the the trillions of dollars put in the system with this 20 year low interest rate 
I just don't know what's going to happen. And I think well, it's like and, a giant economic experiment. And I'm I, honestly, I'm right. a bit concerned about it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, a lot of people are, myself included. And one of the things we're seeing, at least here in Nebraska and Iowa, um, is, and that's part of this, is that the homes that are available are like three bedrooms or, or like, or two garages, like they're, they're like bigger, bigger homes. What we don't have are newer, whether retirement homes or first year home or, or first, like, like couples, first homes, like we don't have the smaller uh, uh, places to start off. And that's um, something that I'm really would love to focus on and help improve that because you talk about workforce, you can't bring folks here if there's not homes available. And, and that's one thing that's holding back, I think, the Midwestern economy. You know, the Midwestern economy is is interesting. I've lived all over. I've traveled all over. I know you've traveled, obviously, your, your fair share. Um, it changes you when you go to Paris, not yeah. because of the high fashion and not because of uh, the, the amazing food. It changes you to go, oh, I see what it would be like to not own a car. Yeah. I see what it'd be like to just to walk everywhere take a, a, a train, a bus, a, a bike, whatever it might be, and to just not, and then all the expenses that we have in these cars, yeah, um, you know, not just the car, of course, the gas, the insurance, the oil changes, the new tires, the this, the accidents, the all of it yeah. adds up to a lot of money when people in Paris are like, we just go out to eat all the time. <laughs> we, <laughs> we can, we can, we go to museums, we do all these other things with that money rather than paying for this thing to, to get us around. I've always thought that it has this big sort of health and economic uh, aspect of our, our entire sort of system that we, we live in. But I think what people have always are, are looking for and would like to have to move back to Iowa, to move to any of these more Midwestern places is more of a walking economy. Yeah. It sounds crazy, but just the ability to not have to get in your car all the time and how much healthier that makes you. Yeah. And I feel like happier that makes you. But it's not been a big, a big, you know, thought process in, in Midwestern politics and in Midwestern business in general. Right. And, and that's one thing that like Sioux Cities, uh, the Sioux City Council, I know, is actually talking about, like, we don't want to go out anymore. We want to go up. Yeah. And and I, I'm uh, very supportive of that. And and. Uh, you know, after I got done playing in Belgium the first time, I came back and my my old 88 celebrity uh, got a crack in its engine. And I went three years living in Minneapolis without a car. Yeah. And, and I mean, waiting at the bus in minus 10, that's <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't the best. But like the, the buses always showed up uh, maybe just a couple minutes late or something like that. But like it was it was fantastic. Like w when you had that and that was before the light rail and everything like that. And so I. I I, I think mass transit, uh, what they have over there is, is very envious. And even just like um, what we can do with trains. Uh, like I would love to have a train from um, Sioux City to Omaha to Des Moines, like just make us more mobile, but yet not having to uh, focus on, on driving as much. And so I, hopefully it's not a pipe dream, but. Yeah, we all have, a, we all have our wish list. I, 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 do, feel, <laughs> I, I do feel like though, uh, you've had it with your traveling uh, and, and playing in Europe um, and, and your other travels. I've had it through my various travels. But this aspect of, um, yeah, just just 
walking and you we, we, we've been yeah. exposed to that and most people have not most people right. just haven't lived in minneapolis or chicago or new york or paris of course and they just don't know there's this other way of life that there's a pos that you, you it might be you might be happier you might be healthier it's and they just don't know the the biggest change in my life is when i lived in france i was i was there for a couple months for baseball and i lived a block away from a grocery store where I was used to in Iowa going to the grocery store once a week, loading up the car and with all, like all these bags there, I went daily and, and yeah. sometimes several times a day, just got what I was going to make for my meal. Just, and it just, it changed my life. Yeah. Well, it's also very different when it's just you versus right. having like oh, a family 100%. of six or something. Yeah, yeah, so 100%. I'm not saying you can't you <laughs> no, 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 know, no, no, no. You get rid of the cars <laughs> and you can just live in Sioux city without right. a car. I don't think that's probably possible. Right. Um, but there is something about, as you said, density, um, yeah. uh, I, I feel like density and health, um, if it's done the right way, you know, yeah. with, 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 with bike, bike paths and bike trails, people want to be outside. Yes. I'm a big believer that people really want to be, I want to be outside all the time. Now there's some people that just want to be in their house. They want to be hanging out in, in their cozy living room and their yeah. kitchen and, and they, they're inside people. I think a lot of people are outside, especially when the weather's nice. They want to have dinner outside. They want to go for a run outside. They want to read a book outside. They want to try to do like all the things outside. And, and But in the Midwest for generations, we've really had like an indoor, whether it's in your house, your car, and your business, but, you know, or whether you're basketball and wrestling and, yeah. you know, you, we have an indoor sort of economy because of our harsh winters. Right. But uh, I think people prefer to try to spend as much time outdoors as possible, especially in their free time. Well, they say like the, the countries that are the happiest people that that a study came out in the last week or so in Finland's at the top. And it, I, I was it Finland. I can't whatever it was. I remember yeah. seeing one of the reasons is because they have so much outdoor activity yeah. all, all year round. So my sister moved uh, to Portland, I'm not sure, 10 years ago or so. Mm -hmm. And we were looking at houses and uh, her house that she ended up buying had this walkability rating. And I'm like, oh, what's, yeah. a, what's a walkability rating? And <laughs> just on the website, every house just based off of like commercial businesses that are nearby mm -hmm. uh, or green space parks and, and yeah. things like that, that were also within so many blocks. And of course, if you lived like a block or two from commercial and two blocks from a park, you'd have like a 90 uh, a walkability rating. You know, what yeah. can you all do from just your house? And, yeah. you know, and and I live in the suburbs and suburban lifestyle, other than just taking a walk around your neighborhood, right? Yeah. Which you don't really see anybody for the most part. Everybody gets in their car and then they drive to the next thing. So you end up being in your car a lot and you end up being indoors a lot. And I think overall that can't be we, we all know it's not very good for your health. Yeah. If I can walk to the grocery store, if I can walk to uh, a coffee shop, uh, someplace to get dinner, and if you have a, a neighborhood bar, that's that's good right. for me. You can get rid of DUIs by just walking <laughs> home. You yeah. Know? So. Uh, yeah. So, um, well, that that's that, that that would be something that I would love for the state of Iowa to really embrace. And and yeah. you, you can you really can start that like the local level. I grew up in the country. I didn't grow up in a town, right? So we're not we're not walking to town. We couldn't walk yeah. anywhere. But we were walking around our property. We had ten acres, and our neighbors had huge plots of land. And so you know, like that, we were outdoors all the time. Um, I, I do think there's going to be a drastic like post what I view as a post pandemic uh, world. Cause like we, we realize we can work from almost anywhere and there's going to yeah. be more remote jobs. So what I would love to see as a state 
is, and this is something that maybe next session I'm going to propose a few things. Let's try to incentivize some of our folks to come back home. Yeah. But then you, you see, like, what do people want? We want uh, quality of life stuff like that. Uh, the other part of it that I, I uh, last year, um, last March, I uh, submitted or I presented at this USDA conference at Yale University on regional food systems and how we're missing out on a lot of stuff here where even though like like we can produce all this massive amounts of, of food at the end of the day, like we import 90% of our food. I mean, we, we, we produce crops, but, but we don't eat all the yeah. corn or the soybeans and all that stuff. And so uh, making sure that we are um, more resilient because obviously we saw with the supply chain and everything um, we become more vulnerable, the more concentrated we are. And uh, it's just, I would love to see us kind of go into those those type of worlds. So. Talk to me about talk to me about food in Iowa. Mm-hmm. All right, food in Iowa, agriculture. Right, uh, I believe it's like the number one chicken state. It's the number oh, one pork yeah, pork yeah. state. Uh, it's probably there, like two or three yeah. with with uh, with beef. Yeah. Um, of course, governance. Uh, it really is like the epicenter of agriculture and then food mm-hmm. in America. It's the definition of big farming, yeah. right? Uh, the days of somebody on a 40, 40 acres and and making a decent life on that by just having some crops and having some animals is, uh, I'm, I'm sure, for a long time ago, the, the, there's very few of those left, right? right? Um, tell me about or, or explain to me how you think the systems that we're currently in, the sort of the food systems that we're in, how you feel like that impacts all of us as Americans, right? Our food, our our crops, and then our food goes everywhere else. Yeah. right. And in our own country, how do you feel like that, the the, the style of business that we have in our culture, what type of impact it has on the rest of the country? So so here's one stat that I love to tell folks. Um, When it comes to apple juice, 60% 60% of our apple juice comes from concentrate from China. And think about the whole like economic, like shipping all that over and, and, and then mixing it with the other stuff or the water or whatever it is. And then uh, getting it out. What happened if we had just like regional apple juice? Yeah. Like, like the way, like we don't, we just, it's, and I realize, like, okay, we're we're not all of a sudden all going to grow carrots or stuff like that. Like, I, and I'm not saying that what I want to do is change the system. I'm just saying we should we have a potential to do an add on to the system. And, yeah. And and that's the part where, like, I mean, there's studies that show, and like, just I think that also one of the things from the pandemic is people look at where their food comes from at a lot larger level. And so, uh, I just think there's a tremendous opportunity. And the infrastructure is just not there. And so it's it, when people start wanting to do this or that, it, it's just, it's not there to grow. And so I think there's a huge opportunity if like where the government's role could potentially be is to start create that infrastructure, whether it's farm to uh, uh, school, farm to community college, farm to nursing home, farm to uh, prisons or army and it, it just... There's, there's a lot of things where we could create that infrastructure, get farmers uh, diversifying a little bit uh, or, or, or new sets and, and change things a little bit. And then from there, just I, I feel things could really take off. And 
that's do, what I would like to see. Do you feel like there's you know policies and uh, things that can occur uh, at the state level? There's federal things or state things, of course, yeah. but the state level that can promote. Because here's the deal. As we all know, it comes down to economies of scale. Yeah. If you make a million chickens, right. all right, those chicken breasts, can you can, you can make them fairly inexpensively compared to somebody that has 300 chickens down the road, mm -hmm. right? Um, how do you balance that? Because there's, there's no way to compete from a price standpoint. And we do know we're feeding hundreds of millions of people here, right? Right. right. But but there's a local aspect that we can feed people locally. How, how do you feel like the, 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 policy, the state policies can have an effect on that? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I've in doing this presentation we did a year ago um, with Ellen Rossman, uh, who if you're ever around Harlan, I'm going uh, uh, to say my favorite restaurant in the state is Milk and Honey. It's her and her husband's. Uh, a lot of it's organic. Uh, uh, a lot of it's farm to table uh, and just it, it's it's fantastic. So um, their breakfast and lunch, I would say. Uh, uh, but yeah, if you happen to be between Milk and Honey. Yeah, milk and honey. yeah. So if you be between Des Moines and, and uh, Omaha, uh, I would. It's only just a little bit out of your way. It, I've it, been to Harlan, Iowa. I met you yeah. there. Uh, oh, that's right. I met you with, there with near there. Yes, with with uh, with Corey Booker. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll try to get him on the podcast sometime. That was yeah. pretty cool. I have a chance to meet him. We actually got Justin Tuck on a. One of my old teammates of the Giants on a FaceTime call together. One oh, of my, my, my random Cory Booker story. <laughs> um, but a good friend of mine, Brody Darren, who played basketball at Creighton, he is from from Harlan, Iowa. Oh, so nice I know I know of that town. I know yeah. um great sports town. Uh, uh, the whiskey is not made in Harlan, but it's, oh. it's made Templeton is Templeton. made near Harlan, I yeah. believe, like within <laughs> half an hour or something. So. Um so yeah, it, I I I'm fascinated but, by anyway. Well, go ahead. Well, just uh so so would she works at, at food hubs and she said one of the biggest things that we're struggling with is transportation so like she can grow stuff but it has to be transported to omaha transported to des moines and then like if you just drop it off that's a cost not bringing anything back and so like finding out logistics in that and and the thing is like the state has a lot of transportational uh, uh opportunities because i believe that all liquor beverages is is driven by state-owned vehicles or, or like uh, trucks and, and and logistics, and so if there's space on there for stuff to move and, and things like stuff like that. I mean, Iowa is we 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 do a lot of things farming wise. That people don't realize. Uh, well, I know Iowans do. We're like a giant trucking mecca. Oh, we are. Yes. We're right in the middle, <laughs> yeah. right? So Interstate 80 going across 35 North and South, yep. Cedar Rapids, Des Moines. Um, We're trucking companies. Stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the state of Iowa, you got to think that there's an opportunity there to somehow solve that issue with transportation Absolutely. in this more sort of local farm to table type type uh, uh, food system. Yeah. So, what are some of the other uh, bills that are, are coming up in the state of Iowa? I know one you have. Yeah. Uh, so, let's, let's talk about that right now. Major League Baseball blackout bill. Is that what we're calling it? What, what, what is this? What is this bill called? And, and tell me yeah. tell me about it. So uh, I apologize. I forgot the name, official name because it, it doesn't have a catchy name or anything because the state cannot go after uh, a specific company. And so I know like we couldn't use MLB TV. So it's like it's basically the, the goal, the, whatever the bill is, it's, it's to stop major league blackouts from happening in the state of Iowa. Because if you buy a subscription to MLB TV, um, you 
are blacked out of six different markets and Iowa is the number one state that is affected by this. And so um, it's just so like if they don't sell out a Cubs game, yeah. you can't watch a Cubs game. If they well, don't sell so we baseball has never had this kind of same issue as NFL where like blackouts because of, of tickets, because there's so many games and, and uh, like in Sioux city, I'm not going to wake up and go to uh, Milwaukee uh, for whatever reason. But the thing is it's the regional broadcast systems and they are the ones that have these agreements with the teams. And then, but major league baseball has the authority to go oversee them. And so right now, um, we actually major league baseball came, uh, it, uh, two of their representatives from the commissioner office came to Iowa yesterday to meet with me to talk about, uh, this stuff. And, uh, they're, they're, I will say that, uh, they will be on the path we, we both have the same goal. We want to expand the game. We want people to watch the games. They get it. Um, but it's not happening. <laughs> and so, uh, to from where I stand, I think they need a push, and so that's what this bill is about. Um, and and that's kind of my focus around it. And and to be honest, I've gotten so many so many people. I mean, this started when I uh, started tweeting about just how fr frustrating it is, and I started uh, seeing people on my social media who. I've never seen before. I'm like, okay. You have found you have found a nonpartisan issue. Exactly. It doesn't seem but, like it. The love of sport. Right. Absolutely. Can and you, then, can you explain to me why yeah. the Major League Baseball and or these teams would think by not showing their games in the state of Iowa that somehow they're going to, in the long term, create more profits for themselves? So here's the reason: is that they want you to buy that regional network along with MLB TV and and by doing so then you have to buy multiple subscriptions so like bars have to buy MLB TV then they have to buy the Cubs uh the um marquee whatever they are and then the twins are uh Valley North and, and so they want you to buy all those things mm -hmm. and uh it's my understanding that those regional networks are a dying industry they 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 were peak a few years ago and now they're starting to come down and so i think there's an opportunity for whether it's mlb a third party or whatever to buy them up and to wrap it up into something that's more uh, package yeah so yeah and that's my hope it, i grew up my dad's from chicago yeah uh you know jackson county's over by the mississippi river it's the eastern part of the state um Cubs fan growing up. Yeah. Cared about the White Sox because my dad was from Chicago. So he was a Cubs fan, but it was sort of like, I guess I was sort of a White Sox fan too uh, for a hot second. The St. Louis Cardinals had a radio station in Makokota that played uh, Cam AQ, yeah. played all the Cardinals games. Yep. So we had to listen to those in, in the afternoon. So we definitely a big Cubs, Cardinals. Um, everyone was pretty much those two teams. Yep. Then I come to go to over to Ames, Iowa, uh, to Iowa State, and it's like, oh, people are a lot of Twins fans over here, Central mm -hmm. State, or Kansas City uh, Royals were, you know, three hours away. Yep. So you, you definitely had uh, something I didn't realize, of course, in Eastern Iowa, that you know people were fans of the Twins in North Central Iowa mm -hmm. and, of, and of right in the western side of the state. But um, I wouldn't care about probably the Cubs or the Cardinals at all if I didn't have the free chance to listen to them or watch them.
I, mean, I, I just wouldn't have, right? And I know it's that we live in a different world. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's how I got into baseball. And and I don't know how, right. I, I feel like you're just, your kids are not going to be into it as much if they don't have a chance to watch it. I could probably name almost every player on the like early 90s Cubs, the the Atlanta Braves because of TBS, like, like, because we were, we had access to it. And that's, yeah. and that's, that's a big thing. And like, for me, baseball has given me so much, uh, been able to play, travel around the world, got an education in college from it. And so like, I want to make sure that when the next generation, uh, has an opportunity to have success like I did. And so, and it starts from just watching the game. So. Again, I was a Cubs fan, but I'm going to say mid to late eighties, the St. Louis Cardinals starting lineup. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, uh, like Terry Pendle, Terry Pendleton at third. Yep. Ozzie Smith is short. Tom yeah. Hurt second. Jack Clark first. Willie yep. McGee in center. Vince Coleman yep. in left. left. Uh, and, and either Andy Van Slyke in right. Um, and then the catcher. Bernanski was there for a little bit. Too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, that's that. I, I, that's a pretty good. I can't remember who the catcher probably was. Um, one guy put oh, his oh, Pena. Tony uh, Pena put his yeah. leg out to the side. Yeah, uh, had his own uh, style when no one was on base. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are those are great baseball teams. Uh, Midwest loves loves baseball. Iowa's a great baseball state. I loved the fact that in high school that I had four seasons. Same. Loved it. I would not trade my experience for any of what's going on now. I know that yep. like it's different now and it's more competitive, and because so many kids are are in one sport. But I played football in the fall. I played basketball in the winter. I played tennis uh, in the spring. Went out for track my senior year as well. But we had summer baseball. Yeah. And you started usually a couple games at the end of the uh, school year. And then you played into the summer, usually done, you know, after July 4th or something like that. Yep. But I just love, there's something about playing in the, like the warm summer nights yep. that I couldn't imagine playing spring baseball or fall baseball like oh. they do in these other states. I don't in, know how they the do Midwest. it in Minnesota. They play, yeah. they're playing baseball, spring baseball right now. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. No. Um, what is on tap? Uh, uh, what, what is the, the upcoming schedule in the state of Iowa for as far as politics and as far as what's going on at the Capitol? Yeah, so we uh, this week is our uh, second funnel, which means that if things don't pass this week, then things are are kind of dead. Um, and and not to say that they're completely dead, but like ninety nine percent dead or ninety percent dead. And so then from here on out, we're it's going to be mo the main focus is on the budget. And so um, April the sessions goes until one hundred and ten days, which is late April. Uh, but that's just a suggestion. Hopefully, uh, things line up so we don't have to go too too long, much longer. Now, is the Iowa budget like a two-year budget? Is that uh, or is I it every year? I believe it's every year. Yeah. Um, and and so it's uh, um, it's my first time going through it. So I yeah, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how yeah. it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I uh, uh, you know that that's that's exciting. Talk to me about how you think sports in general. Uh, has been something that has impacted you, but also impacted the way you you know want to be a, a leader in the state of Iowa, representative of, of Sioux City, and how do you think sports has affected you? I so I think sports has been the perfect thing that brought me to this moment of, of being in politics because, like at the end of the day, we're all Iowans, and so like Team Iowa, that I think about it in that way, and um, 
it's one of those things where you got to work with people from all different backgrounds, all different parts of the state, uh, people who didn't grow up here and in all different ages as well. And so um, when I'm on agriculture, or I'm sorry, I'm on a, a economic development and technology. And so like talking about some of the stuff, whether it's ransomware or cyber security bills or, or uh, stuff like that. And some of the other folks may not be as uh, well uh, consumed in that as, as I am. And so it's one of those things where like sports has brought people together for a common goal. And I, I think that's one of the things of, of trying to get stuff done um, uh, in the capital is, is, you know, at the end of the day, we're all Iowans and uh, trying to do the best we can for Iowa. At the end of the day, we're all Iowans, all right, or I grew up an Iowan, yeah. you're an Iowan, right? Uh, we're all Americans, we're all humans. Yep. But answer me this, how come if we're, if we're all sort of in this thing together, we can't solve this out of control gun issue in America. And when I say gun issue, I mean, yeah. where guns are killing people. Guns yeah. are ending up in schools, shooting nine-year-olds. Uh, um, and there's outrage and then it goes away. And there's another one and then it goes away. There's another one that goes away. If we're all in this together, how come as civilians, we can't solve this issue. Um, so, so I think our founding fathers did a, uh, a good way of checks and balances in the, in the nation and in, in, our, in the pillars of government, both federal and local or federal and, and uh, state. Uh, the one area that has been, uh, I don't know, you, I'm not the best wordsmith, but uh, has been ruined by all of this is money and politics. Um, it is absurd. I mean, even in my congressional campaigns for two years, I, I raised $3 million. And then for a job that's, uh, I don't know, what, 120 or 160000 a year for two years, and then you have to do it all over again. And so what I've realized, and especially when it comes to the federal issue, uh, or a, like this happens to be mostly a federal issue, um, the amount of time when you're out there, you spend most of it fundraising more than you do constituent services, more than you do anything else. Uh, you, even just going, those, if you uh, ever watch like those uh, big hearings and the investigative things, and they um, like all the members are not there all at the same time. They're they're in and out, and they get their they get their ten minutes. They do their thing. They leave and either they're going to other meetings or they're going to fundraise. And that's what the majority of folks do out there. That's it's, the lifestyle. That's the lifestyle. And so like, so what's easier to do? Is it call people and, and get money from them? Or is it to take a huge check from the lobbyist? Uh, and, you know, and that's where we're at. And, and so uh, if you have money, money talks and you see that, why, why do we not, or why are we the wealthiest nation in the world and don't have healthcare? Um, better than what we do now. I mean, pretty much every community in Iowa has a somebody that a GoFundMe account to help pay for someone's medical costs or a pancake breakfast or a, a box at a, a gas station uh, to, to put some coins in. Um, you know, uh, it, it comes with guns. It comes with like the banking industry. Like 
uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, uh, we on the the banking industry changed the rules after Our regulations. Who who, who yeah. decides what the rules and policies are? It's the money, right? The well, money and decides, and that's the number one thing I'll say at the the state that uh, that was I didn't know about coming in, and like almost every night. In fact, right now uh, there's a event that. Uh, a group puts on and, and people love to host different things and not all of them are bad. Uh, uh, most of them are, are really um, um, non-controversial or anything like that. But, but there's all these groups that, that have either a breakfast or a dinner or have drinks. And we, we go to all these things and I have a feeling that like, okay, I'm not, I may not be here in 10 years, but all these special groups are. So then who's running this state? And the amount of bills that we have where it's just like changing from 90 days to 30 days or just like little pieces, like, and ultimately all those things add up and it, it ends up favoring companies. And many times it seems like it's outside money that comes oh, yeah. in and it figures out in various states and every state has various issues that are important for different reasons, but it comes in and then has this giant impact on some issue that you may not think is a big deal, but that starts then become like the bell cow of the rest of the country or right. something like that. Like, hey, this is what they're doing in Iowa. This is what they're doing in this state. We need to have those same uh, uh, rules. If it was up to you, yeah. Uh, and and um, I'm sorry, I guess I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> if you could just change two, three rules in the gun conversation. Yeah. Um, that you think would minimize these mass shootings, minimize school shootings, um, and just minimize deaths in general. Ch children uh, are, it's the number one cause of death for children. Right. It's not cancer. It's not car accidents. Right. Um, it's not drag shows. Right. Incredibly. <laughs> um, it is It is guns. Um, what are the two or three things that, you know, there is no there is no uh, uh, influence in politics. It's just like what you would con consider common sense. How do we make this better? Um, I, and, and, and I'm going to say this. Yeah, I grew up with a grandfather. That we hunted and trapped muskrats and raccoons yeah. uh, and he shot deer and he shot squirrels and he shot rabbits and he had a bow. Uh, uh, you know, we, I walked into his living room and he had deer legs that were like with the hooves, with the guns across, like he was the definition of like, a, um, you know, a hunter, trapper, fisherman, right. Type yeah. of guy. Yeah. Um, he didn't have an AR-15. <laughs> right. uh, I don't even think he had a handgun. Um, he just had these various, you know, shotguns and, and rifles. Um, so I've been around guns. I, I, I understand the, the, the value there. I also understand I have children. I have myself. I, have, I understand the aspect of protecting oneself. All right. right? Uh, looking into the details of the Second Amendment, which the hard part about uh, our, our Constitution is that it was written, you know, 250 years ago. And how can you be thinking 250 years ahead? Right. And, and how the world changes. Right. Um, but what are the what are the couple of things that you think would be like on your wish list of man if we did that it could have a big impact? Well, I, to me, it, it still goes number one thing is campaign finance reform. If we had a way where um, I, and like there's a lot of different solutions to this, but none of them are 
going to happen anytime soon. Um, it's as long as people need money for campaigns, uh, the NRA is going to control a lot of this stuff. Um, and, and that's, that's the sad reality. Um, and anytime there's school shooting, the left, uh, uh, rightfully so gets super upset and we, uh, and social media is just blow up and everything. And then that results actually every time with shown that every time that happens, then gun sales go up. Yeah. And so it's just this cyclical, awful, awful, uh, thing that we're in right now. Um, at the end of the, I mean, you can ban stuff. Um, it, it just, there's, there's common sense stuff that we can be doing. And the fact that like, like even just like universal background checks, yeah, like that's not like, that's over 80% of Americans want that. And yeah. 80% of Americans want something like that and they can't pass. It's, it's that means that means the system's not. A, I know it's we're, we're in a representative, we're in a republic, representative democracy, you know, right. type of thing, but it doesn't feel like the will of the people is being uh, taken into consideration at all. Exactly. Just the, just based on the profits of companies that, of course, make money by as many guns as being sold as possible. Right. right? I mean, that's that's their that's their industry. That's their call to life is to to have as many guns out there as possible so they can make as much money as possible. What are your thoughts on uh, the AR-15 style weapons? These, and I, and I want to and add that to you were eighteen years eighteen years old once. Yeah, I was right. eighteen years old once. Right. Invincible, yeah. <laughs> invincible on the football field, running around, <laughs> right, getting hit here and there. Um, but in reality. As immature as I, I was, probably more mature in some ways when I was ten than when I was eighteen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, you're, you're. Um, uh, I know you can vote, right? Um, but the ability to own, buy, and own something that has serious killing potential, right? Uh, and massive amounts. Talking about the AR-15, and then the ability for you know an eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old to get one or I don't know ten of these things if they right. can afford it. So. So, I mean, you, if you're 18, you can go into the army and you can train to have one, but you train to have that. That's right. And, and that's the thing that I, like, I just don't get is like, especially with these high power stuff, if, if hypothetically that there's second amendment folks, they, 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 they'll fight tooth and nail to like, we have to have that. We have to have that. Well, okay. Then like earn it, you know, like, like have a take a licensing or or, or or something that this like earn the right to have that then yeah because i i mean kids i grew up with uh, it, it, we all know somebody that probably shouldn't have a gun <laughs> and it's just common sense and so like let's let's just not let anybody just just uh come off the street and buy one uh it, it it's it, it just it's nuts how accessible it is and it, it shouldn't be harder uh, to vote than it is to get a gun. And it feels like that's the direction we're heading in. What's interesting to me is, um, yeah, again, at that volatile stage in our lives right now, as, as we know through science that between the ages of like 16 and 24, our brains are like the most volatile. We make yeah. really, really bad decisions. A lot of these gun issues do seem to occur in that like 18 to 22 range. Yeah. Um, 
I understand that, you know, the aspect of having a car is not in the constitution. Right. right. So it's like, well, you get a car at 16, you got to take a class and you got to you know, prove that you can drive and, all, you know, all these things. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the, there's a challenge there. But I do agree. I, as a car driver. am much happier that everyone on the road, most people have, I guess, taken some sort of class and at least proven themselves a halfway knowledgeable person to also be driving a car because right. those things are incredibly dangerous as well. Right. right. And so. I feel like as as a as a citizen, I'd be more, I'd, I'd rest, I'd be, I'd rest a little easier, knowing that all these people out there who have these high powered rifles have taken some sort of class, right, to know how to use them, store them, um, if they're even like in the mentally in the in the if they're mentally capable. Yeah. To actually have one of the things that they should have one of these things. I feel like there's a, a bit of a filter system there. Like, hey, you take this class and we realized you're a psychopath. Like maybe you shouldn't get your license yeah. after the end of the class, you know, right. like um, and I get it. The Second Amendment. It's it's hard to go through this thing that is like, you know, uh, 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 that was made 250 years ago that people don't want to move from. Right? right. But really, the people are the profit centers of it right uh which are the you know those those corporations those companies that that make a money off it so there was always that that never made sense to me and the high powered or not high power well the high poweredness of them right yeah. these don't like you know my as my grandpa was hunting when he shot the the animal he didn't want to destroy Right. All the meat. He didn't want yeah. to like have this thing explode inside the animal. He wanted to like shoot to the the right spot. So hopefully it just dropped on, and that was and it was the end of it. And then right. you could get ninety nine percent of the meat. That would still be good. These rifles don't do that. They literally, they're so fast when they, they when they go through. They like, just destroy uh, the people. My other thought was the the magazines. Yeah, like I get protecting your house. Yeah. I get it. I get hunting. I get it. But like, why do you need all these shots? Yeah. Like 30 shots or 31 shots in these like banana magazines that, that are legal. Like, why do you need that many to protect your house, to protect, uh, to, to go hunting, sort of the various things that you want? Th those things never made any sense to me Yeah. Um, uh, of why, you know, generally it was always like six bullets in a gun when you're like a handgun right. growing up, right? Like the old cowboy days, yep. right? <laughs> like how many, you know, why, why, why do you, why can't it just be six? Right. And then you could, if you have multiple of those cartridges, you have multiple cartridges, at least it's not 30 in a row. Like right. this is just made for war. Well, right? 30 is 30 seems to me like that, that is made for war and the high powered aspect of it. And the thing that, I mean, in the last few years too, I mean, I love, let's, let's say Jack Trice stadium love going to games but like where people they funnel you out and some yahoo can just no training whatsoever but wipe out a whole yeah uh, crew just like that and yeah. like that that's it's unnerving yeah absolutely it's like unnerving it's, that it's, and 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 to me handguns were always this you know handguns can be concealed right, right. you can walk into a target handgun but this aspect of, of uh, and that is like an, uh, an extra element, again, that wasn't as obvious in 1776, mm -hmm. uh, that in 31 shots, uh, you know, in, in a cartridge. Um, but I feel like those things, common sense to me would be, listen, if you're going to have handguns and these other types of, of guns, um, you need to take some extra classing for that. Yeah. 
if you just need a shotgun because you want to go uh, rabbit hunting or, right. or or protect your house with just a shotgun that holds four or six shells, maybe you don't need all the classes and all the things. That's right. what maybe the founding fathers were thinking when they when they when they drew this whole thing up and create this whole experiment. Yeah. Right. But instead, we have it. What feels like to me, just sort of a filterless system of get as many out there as possible, as deadly as possible, and then you know yeah um just let it loose and it doesn't it doesn't other again like you've traveled i've traveled other countries think we're crazy and we, oh. we are we are they think we're crazy with all sorts of things but this thing more than anything it, it completely blows their mind yeah, of, of how we have those types of guns you know uh just in our neighborhoods in our towns well at least we got universal health care <laughs> no we don't have that either that blows them away too that's another thing that that um I don't, I don't understand how we don't riot more in this country. <laughs> well, because like, like healthcare, like this is, I mean, it's just a basic thing. Every other country has figured it out. Well, what's interesting to me is we pay taxes. Other countries pay taxes too. Theirs yeah. might be a little bit higher and some is probably lower, yeah. but they get a lot more benefits from their taxes that we don't get. So they pay, we, we're all paying taxes one way or another. When, uh, what we have is um, subsidies that go out to uh, uh, food practices that aren't, don't, that don't, that make us unhealthy. Mm -hmm. uh, we have subsidies that go out to energy companies that make us um, make the make the environment worse. Um, we we don't have it going to ins to insuring people that that get sick, right? Um, uh, health insurance. Um, it, it's I don't know. It's an interesting. We 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 have the, of course this giant giant military that we right. sort of are the world's police. That's where uh, of course a decent portion of our money goes to but it's not that we're I've, people get all wrapped up in taxes and it's like taxes high taxes low no one wants to pay taxes but like what do i get for the the taxes and it doesn't right. feel like as an american we're getting you know 30 to 50 percent back in various things of what i'm putting in there and right. i think that's probably the, the big frustration that goes across both sides of the aisle yep i would agree yeah, yeah. Well, well, good luck to you uh, uh, in this next session. You're a freshman. You. I remember yeah. how it was being a freshman. You have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Um, you obviously don't know everything that's going on yet. Uh, one day at a time, one learning uh, situation at a time. Um, I wish you luck uh, in, in, your, in your endeavors. Um, uh, be true to the good. I think that we all have various forms of what we believe in and as Americans and what's best for all of us and what's best for me and you and all these things, but trying to be true to the good and empathize with the people that you don't know and you don't, they're not like you and they don't look like you and their religion might be different than yours. And that empathy um, of trying to understand people's other point of view, I think will, will serve you a long way if you can try to keep an open mind. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, that is it. JD Shulton, thank you very much for coming on the uh, Sage Rosenfels experience. Hope it was a good experience for you on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Uh, that is it today, folks. We'll see you uh, next week. Iowa Everywhere.